Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on SlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Dramonte. The UFC Vegas 9 card is upon us, coming up this weekend, and you can expect A, Shockwave Dave to make a funny uh, Fast and the Furious joke, and B, for us to be breaking it down with Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, our favorite segment, a little bit later on the show, where we break down our three favorite fights, give you an underdog, and give you a parlay. And we've been red hot lately, so you're going to want to check out that gambling advice. Plus, you're going to want to check out our fighter interviews. I'll be talking with Alonzo Menafield right off the top of the show about preparing for OSP for a second time after the first fight was called off the day of. Then I'll be talking to Cole Smith, who is preparing for Hunter Asia, rebounding from his first loss of his career. So we're going to get to all that great content for you right now. Alright, and joining me now is Alonzo Menafield, who fights Ovin St. Preux this Saturday at UFC Vegas 9, Overeem versus Sakai. So, uh, Alonzo, obviously this fight was supposed to have happened two weeks beforehand. You made weight, you squared off with OSP, then the fight gets pulled. What was it like going right back into training camp at that point? Uh, what a Saturday, you know, flying home was weird, super weird. And I was like thinking like, man, I was supposed to fight. So I was disappointed. But, um, you know, thanks to my coaches and everyone around me, you know, I was ready to fire the engine up Sunday and uh, we got after it. So I guess that week just helped me get even sharper, like, you know, sharpening the sword. And how quickly did you know it would be rescheduled too? Because I know, you know, jumping right back into training camp might not be that hard, but but maybe having a little gap there might be. So did did you know right away? Yeah, yeah. I actually got the news Saturday uh, that it, it was a possibility. So I wasn't sure until I got the contract Sunday. Um, and then, yeah, I knew for sure we're, we're going to run it again. So I was, you know, thrilled and happy, you know, training for this week. Absolutely. Now, you know, I have to ask, too, about the weight cuts because obviously, you know, a, a weight cut takes a lot out of a guy. You don't like to do them too close together. How is that situation going? Do you feel like you, you recuperated well and, and are going to be able to get back down? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, as far as weight, you know, given our situation, COVID-19 is crazy, man. So I, I, I've been staying low on the weight, you know, a super clean diet and uh, just running and keeping my weight down, you know, 215-ish. So, you know, when I roll in there, it, it's a super easy weight cut and uh, pretty much, you know, that it's not a not a problem at all. You know, I wasn't even dehydrated. It was the best weight cut ever. So I was actually, you know, super good. It still is good. That that's great to hear. Now I do want to ask a little bit about your mental preparation coming in for this fight because I know you're coming off the first loss of your professional career, and I'm wondering how how did you deal with that first loss and, and sort of rebuilding yourself after that? Ah man, you know the loss just told me to get in there and train even harder. Uh, so I took that loss and I went and I, I've been applying it to everything I do, you know, kind of like a, an addict. Uh, I'm I'm on it. I'm like doing all I can do in training as far as my skills and my strength. And I'm just, you know, constantly at it. You know, I'm taking my rehab and everything way more serious, you know. So, you know, I get in there and never perform where I'm, I'm tired or I beat myself. You know, my, my thing when I came into sport was like, if anyone's going to beat me, it's because they're better than me, not because I beat myself. 
So I just I keep that in the front of my my head. I was thinking about that. And is that how you feel the fight with Clark went? That you sort of beat yourself? That you you ran out of gas in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely. I mean, Devin Clark is a, a great opponent, but me and me and him though. Uh, given the situation, it would have been a different fight if I had all my tools sharpened like normal. And no excuses. He fought a great fought, uh, fight, and uh, big, big, big thanks for him for fighting me and all that. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I wasn't 100, and uh, given that loss, like I said, man, I've been at it. I've been working super hard, and uh, it, it'll it'll show. Well, that's certainly great to hear. Now, I also would like to know, too, you know, you've got this coach who, who we've kind of learned in the MMA world is like the king of good advice in between rounds, and I'm assuming in the gym as well. Did Safe Saad have anything specifically to tell you about that loss and rebounding from it after that fight? Uh, yeah, you know, he was saying there were some things I should have done in there, given my, my, my situation. You know, I should have stayed away from the clinch. I should have moved, stick and move, you know, uh, avoid certain things I, I could have done as far as leg kicks or whatnot, just opening up with punching. Uh, so I learned, and him him and I learned more to follow the game plan and trust one another even more. I mean, even more now. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I've been doing that this whole 10 weeks, 10, 11 weeks I had, uh, and now it's extra week for OSP. And, uh, yeah, I, I think we've definitely grown even closer and tighter uh, as, a, as a unit. That, that's certainly great to hear. Now, I'm interested, too. Now, if that fight goes doesn't go your way, the UFC comes back to you with the name Ovin St. Preux, who, who is arguably probably a bigger name than, than Devin Clark, right? He fought for a title. He's a guy who's been in the top five, top ten at certain points in his career. What were sort of your thoughts when they came back to you with, like I said, a, a bigger name even than the guy who, who just beat you? Uh, right. I was like, let's go. I was excited. As soon as they told me, I said, yes, it's the exact time I heard it. I, I, I don't care, man. I'm excited. I think that was awesome uh, to have the opportunity. Because, you know, I was, like, trying to place myself in this division, and I want to see and test myself, uh, you know, especially that I'm able to sharpen my, my weapons that I'm good at, you know. Um, and I've been at it for, like, 10, 11 weeks already then. So when they told me, I was excited. I was ready. And uh, I'm happy to have this opportunity. Absolutely, and and I know that you you're probably inching towards having a, a number next to your name with a win here too. W- what are sort of your thoughts on where your your future is in this division in the near future? How quickly do you want to move up here? Uh, yeah, I tell them to rank me. Uh, there, there's no rush. I'm I'm willing to do whatever it is, fight whoever it is, you know, to uh, get that number. Um, you know, but I, I want to grow with the contract and and experience. Uh, and then eventually I want to go for gold because that would solidify always a legacy, and that's what I want. I want to have a solid legacy, something to look back and be proud of. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'll just whenever the number comes, it'll come. Uh, there's no rush. Uh, then again, there is a rush. So I'm just, I'm going to let it flow. I, I like that a lot. Now, I, I do got to ask, too, because, you know, we, we've got a situation here where you're in the division with a guy who you train with fairly often, right, in Ryan Spahn. What is that sort of like as you're you're preparing for this fight? In in You're preparing for your future in this division, knowing that you've got a buddy kind of close by as well. Yeah, right? It's pretty cool, man. I get to train with Ryan. He's super talented, man. Uh, I feel like it's a blessing to have him. You know, even Kennedy and all the other people around us in our camp. 
you know, because I was able to work with Uriah, Paul, and I, I think it's been a blessing. Um, Sven in my division, being in my division, I think it's good. We're, we're going for gold. You know, I know a few more people in my division, and, you know, it is what it is. We are professionals, and we're all trying to strive for greatness. And, um, yeah, having Ryan is a definitely good thing for me, and hopefully for him as well. <laughs> well, speaking of blessings, let's talk about this fight. I like to try to get a prediction on my fighters before I let you go. How do you see this fight going down with Ozint St. Prue when it comes up next Saturday? Ah, well, always be his patient. Um, he he, can, he got a hell of a chin. So if he doesn't do anything too crazy, it, it won't get. Um, it, it'll probably go to the third uh, if it gets out. If we if he gets out in the first round because part something was done that was incorrect. But yeah, me me I I plan for a three round war. Uh, I'm not looking for a knockout. If it comes, it comes. Um, hell, if the submission is there, I'll go for a submission. I'm gonna be an MMA fighter. And uh, yeah, I'll let them know I, I I have arrived, so it'll be it'll be a, a good show. All right, well you heard it here first, folks. This is Alonzo Minifield who fights OSP at UFC Vegas nine Overeem versus Sakai. Alonzo, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. All right, thank you. And that interview with Alonzo Minifield is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, boxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you're going to want to track your progress with Maroon Social because it gives you a place where you can log your training sessions, but also leave yourself notes and tag techniques, which is great for when you want to go back and make sure that you're preparing and progressing the way that you want to be. Plus, they give you a place where you can log competitions, put your weigh-ins, tag your friends, and so many more functions. Check them out wherever it is you download apps. That's Maroon Social. All right, and joining me now is Cole Smith, who fights Hunter Asia at UFC Vegas 9, Overeem versus Sakai. So, Cole, I wanted to start by talking about your last fight, because you're coming off of a tough split decision loss. I know it's the first loss of your professional career, how did you go about dealing with that? Because I know, obviously, a split decision loss. A lot of people think you won that fight. How did you hit the gym and, and work on, you know, maybe some of the things that didn't get you the victory? Uh, well, just right off the bat, you know, I, that's what everyone's – your first loss, your first loss, your first loss, man. It wasn't my first loss. I've lost as an amateur. I've lost in, in millions of different sports growing up. You know, I've been an athlete my whole life, you know. So it, it's not a big deal when you – don't put so much pressure on the undefeated, all that shit. You know what I mean? The, the, this fight game is too hard. There's, there's, the, the fighters are too good. You're not going to be undefeated for very long. Um, so, of course, I knew that would happen once you get to the UFC, you know. Best fighters in the world. But, um, of course, it was, a, it was a tough one, you know. Rogers Arena, my home city, you know, was a close fight. Miles is incredibly tough, man. He was, he was super durable. He was super good, uh. But, you know, I just got back to the drawing board. I worked on a lot of the things that I thought I could have capitalized on and things that I didn't do so well. You know, I uh, second fight in the UFC at Rogers Arena, you know, there was a lot of a lot of pressure on me, you know what I mean? And uh, so I kind of was in my head a little bit too much. And, 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 and uh, so I really worked on just the mental aspect of it. And I think that's helped quite a bit. And, and was there anything particularly you did to help yourself mentally? Is there a lot of visualizing you're doing? Are you seeing mental coaches, things like that? Um, 
as funny as it sounds, man, but like meditating helps so much, you know, trying to just focus on your thoughts and not have your mind racing. It's, it's, it's super challenging. You know what I mean? And I've been doing that quite a bit and I've just been trying to enjoy the ride. You know, the last one, I didn't enjoy the ride so much. It was just, you're fighting, you're fighting, you know, this one, I'm just, man, I'm in the UFC. I'm having a great time. I'm a young guy. You know, I'm early in my career. Just enjoy the ride, man. If you don't enjoy the ride, get off the train. So I've just been having a good time with it. Well, I like that. Now, you also mentioned in there, too, that you've felt some pressure being at home. You know, the vast majority of your fights have been in Canada, a couple in Thailand as well. But this fight now is your first one in the United States. And in addition to that, you know, I know this gets said a ton, but no crowd, right? So you you go from that situation where you felt a lot of pressure. Do you feel like the apex is a better place for you to to get your mind in the right place? I have no idea. I guess we're going to have to see once I get there, you know what I mean? But I mean, I fought it. I fought with zero crowds, you know, so I can't imagine it being a huge difference. You know what I mean? It is kind of nice to, it's almost like it's not in the UFC as weird as it sounds. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there's smaller cage and there's no crowd. And so, uh, so yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to enjoy the, the, the fight this time and, you know, we'll see how it goes. I like that. Now, now you mentioned too the smaller cage too. I, I'm interested. Do you have a take on that too? Do you do you feel a particular way about the cage size? Not really. I, it, where I was fighting for throughout my whole career in Battlefield, the, it's roughly the exact same size. So I'm I'm pretty used to the smaller cages, and I don't think that should matter. You know what I mean? If you're a fighter and you and you're good, you're you know it shouldn't matter where the fight takes place. So. Makes a lot of sense to me. Now, let's talk about this fight coming up because you you come off fighting a guy you mentioned, Miles John, very tough guy, very physically strong guy. You're fighting a guy who who a lot of people could draw some similarities to, right? Like Hunter Asian, also a very short, a shorter guy, much more muscular. You know, likes to wrestle a little bit. Do you feel like he matches up stylistically pretty similar with Miles, or have you found some pretty big differences? I've fought the same guys over and over again you know early in my career I fought Jamie Siraj right he was a little shorter he was uh, super good in the scrambles you know he had hands uh then I made my debut versus Mitch Anyun a little bit shorter hands wrestler then I fought Miles you know then I fought now I'm fighting him so you know I I I prepared for this for a while and, and do you feel like you'd like to fight that style? I mean, obviously, that's not a style a ton of people like to see standing across the cage from because it's grinding. Maybe sometimes it's a little less fun to watch. How do you feel that you keep getting that style? Uh, it doesn't It doesn't matter, man. You know what I mean? It just – a fight's a fight, man, and it's just the next guy. Like, I mean, I hate to quote Conor McGregor, but it's, you know, you are – you are against yourself in there, you know what I mean? And if you're fighting at, the, at your full capacity and, and, and doing what you should be doing, you should be able to beat anybody on any day. So, you know, it's really you versus yourself in there, and, you know, you should be able to take care of yourself versus whatever style. Well, I love the mindset you got going into this fight. Now, I did want to ask you a couple of questions about early in your career, too, because I noticed, you know, like you said, you fought a lot for Battlefield. It's almost exclusively in Canada in your early career. There's also a couple of fights in Thailand in there, too. I was wondering if you could tell us, how did you wind up in Thailand for, for a chunk of your fights there? Uh, it's funny, because I was actually warming up in the BFL cage one day, and there was uh, ex-UFC fighter Jeremy Kennedy. He's in PFL now. And uh, he was standing across, and I heard about him, and I knew he was super good. And 
I heard he was training in Thailand. He was a young man at that time. I think he was 22 or something. And I just kind of jokingly was like, hey, bro, I heard you're training in Thailand. You know, I'm going to come out there and train with you. And it was just a joke. And then the next day he messaged me online and was like, hey, bro, I don't know if you're serious, but I'll get you sponsored out here and you can come out. Two weeks later, I went out and I was just hooked, man. I couldn't, I, I stayed out there for a year. I came home. I went back out for six or seven months. I came home. I went back out, you know, four or five times. And Thailand's great, man. And I, I, I can't wait till all this shit is over with so I can go back out for a few weeks. Well, and that's what I was going to ask, too. Is this something that, you know, obviously pandemic notwithstanding, is this something you plan on doing for, for a lot of your fight crew? Do you feel like you get good work over there when you head over there? I, I, it's not just the good work that that's out there. It's the lifestyle that's that's uh, very compelling. You know, it's very uh, there's no distractions. There's not much else to do. And and I've you know I've got a lot of good good friends that are still out there from five six years ago. That you know we're I got some of my best friends that are just still out there. So I want to go and see them. I want to train and. It's kind of the whole package out there, you know what I mean? I want to drive my little scooter, man. It was boss. <laughs> good time. Just overall, it's a good time, you know? The food is super good. Training's good. Lifestyle's easy. Wearing my shorts and sandals on my scooter, man, it's all good. I, I love that. Now, when you head out there, though, do we have to worry about the weight? Are we worried about a weight cut when you, you're training in Thailand? Uh, not for the Muay Thai fights. I took a bunch of Muay Thai fights, man, and it was just – Hey, I want to fight on Wednesday, you know, and it'll be, it'll be on Monday and they'll be like, yeah, okay, we'll find you somebody. And you just show up to the arena and they point at the guy. Okay. You're fighting him. You know, you size him up. Yeah. We look pretty identical. All right. So there's no real weight, weight, weigh-ins. Oh, wow. Well, actually when I fought my, uh, first pro fight out there, buddy missed weight by 10 pounds though. So they, so, so what they did was he he had to he had to finish me to win or win every single round to to draw he had to win every round to draw or finish me so he was in a tough position you know what i mean i ended up beating him in like three minutes but whatever i, I like that would, would you like that kind of style in mma you miss weight you have to to fight three points down well yeah i mean the the the, the, the purse isn't enough you know because i don't know if you know the the uh, the stats but i think like 90 percent of fighters who make who don't make weight end up winning the fight you know what i mean so i think i would rather a point be taken off rather than getting 20 percent of the purse because i don't think it it, it doesn't really match up you know I, I like that now now i'm curious too just because we've been talking about mindset and I, I like where your head's at coming into this fight how much of that mindset from Thailand of, of just kind of anybody in front of me, you just point to him, I make sure he's roughly the same size as me. How much of that do you carry into the cage when you fight MMA now and when you're in the UFC? Yeah, it's it's kind of like you've, you're you kind of prepared for anything at that point. You know what I mean? I've kind of seen it all. You know what I mean? So uh, it, it kind of makes – it kind of – you know, when, when you have someone to prepare for for six weeks, it makes it a little bit easier than just waking up and – finding out who you're fighting actually sometimes it is sometimes it's not you know what i mean sometimes it's nice to just have no idea and you just go and we'll see who's the better man on the day you know it's kind of it's interesting i like that well we've come to the end of this interview and now i've got to ask you about who's going to be the better man a week from this upcoming saturday you're fighting against hunter asia how do you see the fight ending here how do you see you getting it done uh 
I've been asked this question before, man, and I just I feel like MMA is just who the fuck knows. <laughs> I could say I'm gonna land a spinning back kick and I I, I ankle lock them. You know what I mean? I could I could say a different million different things and you just never know, man. The sport is way too difficult to. Uh, to call like that unless you're mystic mac <laughs> well regardless we are looking forward to that fight once again folks this was cole smith who funds hunter asia at ufc in vegas nine that's overeem versus sakai cole thanks so much for the time man i really appreciate it no problem brother thanks for having me and that interview with cole smith is brought to you by fight forecaster fight forecaster app is a different way to play mma pickums it goes above and beyond the normal ways where you just click and pick a fighter. Instead, you can weigh different outcomes and use strategy to prove that you know more about what's going to happen in fights than any other picker. You can watch yourself climb the leaderboard based on whether or not you're picking likely outcomes, less likely outcomes, and how heavily you're weighing each of them. So I highly suggest checking that out on either the Google Play or Apple App Store. Now, I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland. I am now joined by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, the, the 205ers really showed their hands this past weekend. What did you think of the main event, and where do those two fit into this you know, newly opened division? Well, I'll be 100% honest, Gumby. I'm a little underwhelmed. Uh, obviously, John Jones is a GOAT. He leaves the division uh, just abdicating his throne, as we say. Uh, he was not beaten for the title. And it reminds me a little bit of when GSP left 170 pounds. Uh, I thought the... Johnny Hendricks' uh, title reign, as short-lived as it was, showed potential, but that ultimately burned out. Lawler was fun for a veteran that we've rooted for for a long time, but he wasn't going to be that dominant champion that GSP was. And then Woodley had flashes of brilliance, uh, had a pretty decent run of title defenses, some performances better than others. But it finally took it, it took about five years to get to – um, Kamara Usman, who seems, at least at this juncture, as he could be like that next lockdown champion and reminds me of GSP in a lot of ways, I just get the same sense about 205. It might be a few years until that next dominant force comes into play. What do you make of it? I, I kind of agree with you on that one, too, because, you know, you, you look at the guys fighting for the title. And I love Dom Reyes and I love Jan Blankovic, but you're right. Neither of them have that sense of like, this dude could be a dominant champion. Whereas we might be a few years away from seeing somebody like Yuri Proshaka hit the title picture as like a, a young up-and-comer with tons of experience who could be that Kamara Usman type, you know, or even somebody like Ryan Spahn, who, who's a little bit lower on the totem pole right now, undefeated in the UFC, seems to have a more complete game than Dom Reyes and, and Jan Blankovic, even if it's not, you know, like, all ironed out and against high-level competition yet. I kind of agree with you. I think it's going to be a while before we see that next dominant 205-er. Not to mention, I feel like every division is at least at the top two. Now, Cormier just retired, um, but you could also say Stipe possesses a little of this. You have someone who's a dominant wrestler, and... When I look at, you know, Raychik and uh, Adam Reyes, a decent grappler, but not that dominant, you know, wrestling pedigree that I think we're all used to seeing at the top of a division, like a Khabib, like a Kamara Usman, uh, like a DC at heavyweight, um, I just don't see that at 205. And what other division does that not exist in? 
right? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I mean, I guess, and I know you rag on flyweight all the time. Davison Figueredo can wrestle flyweight, even though he doesn't all that often. Same kind of with Peter Jan and, and Volkanovski. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess Israel Adesanya right now is, is a great defensive wrestler, and that's what's sort of gotten him where he is. But, yeah, if, if you look at light heavyweight, man, Rajic might be the best top game grappler in that, that top tier right now. I mean, other than maybe, like, Glover Teixeira, but, like, his takedown game is not as good. Uh, Misha Serkinov at number 10. Uh, I mean, hey, you know, you, you mentioned that we might need a wrestling champion to be the next great guy. How about Magomed Ankulev? The dude would be undefeated at light heavyweight right now. He'd be 5 or 6-0 and oh if he didn't have that loss to, to Paul Craig with one second left after winning for 14 minutes and 59 seconds. Maybe that's the, the wrestle-heavy guy we're looking for in this division. Well, time will tell, as they say. But I'll tell you what we don't have to wait for, and that's our favorite segment on the show, Fight Dogs Parlays, going over UFC Vegas 9 this weekend. But before we get into it, Gumby, uh, I'm curious, does anyone sponsor Fight Dogs and Parlays? Absolutely. Fight Dogs and Parlays is brought to you by MyBookie. Visit MyBookie.ag and make sure to use promo code TOPTURTLE to get a 100% deposit bonus. And let me tell you something about MyBookie, too. Depositing could not be easier. In addition to getting a 100% bonus when you use promo code TOPTURTLE, you also can deposit in a number of different ways, including using cards, using cryptocurrency, lots of other ways. So make sure that you get in on the games this weekend with mybookie.ag. So we'll start as we often do at the main event. Uh, Alistair Overeem is a minus 185 favorite. Uh, Augusto Sakai, the plus 160 dog. Overeem coming off a TKO win over Walt Harris back in May. It's very interesting. I feel like in these uh, COVID-19 2020 lockdown times. We're seeing a lot of people on quick turnarounds. So here we are seeing Overeem, who just fought two months ago, right back at it. He does have a suspect chin at this point in his career, but looking pretty good right now. Uh, lost to Rosenstruck before that, but before beat Alexi Olenek and Sergei Pavlov. So he's three and one in his last four at the very least. Uh, what do you make of this fight? You know, it, it's weird because Augusto Sakai here being you know, undefeated in the UFC. He's 4-0 in the UFC, 5-0 if you count contender series. He's got wins over Marcin Tepera, Andre Arlovsky, Chase Sherman, Blagojevanov. Like, every single guy on his list has either been in the top 15 or been nipping at the edges of the top 15. I think Chase Sherman is the only one who technically was not ranked at any point in time in his career, and I could be wrong on that. He's fought high-level competition, but here's the thing about Augusto Sakai is he kind of, it, his best asset is playing defense, uh, which is a really weird thing to say for a heavyweight, right? Like heavyweights, you know, the guys at the top right now, being Francis Naganu and Steven Miocic, have big, heavy hands looking to end fights all the time. Sakai is just really defensively sound, and, and I think against a lot of guys in this division, that does really well, right? Like Marcin Tybura stepped into, like, a really bad attempted winging punch. You know, Andre Arlovsky was overly, overly, overly safe and loses a, a decision here. I, I think with a guy like Overeem who's just so technical, you can't just play a defensive game to, with him. You have to go after him. You have to be aggressive. You have to be violent. Because if you look at the guys who've beaten Overeem, you got Yair Rosenstroik, you got... Francis Naganu, you got Curtis Blades. Those are guys who get after it, right? Those are guys who are violent and go right out there and try to put a hurting on people. 
And that's just not Sakai. And I, I think while I love Sakai's prospects and future in this division, I just worry about how he does against somebody like our Overeem, who also has like great takedown defense should that game try to go anywhere near there. So I think this is actually a really good stylistic matchup for Overeem, even if I don't think the gap between them talent-wise is all that different. Uh, I'll tell you what's not all that different. It's the odds for Alonzo Menafield versus Ovin St. Preux. Menafield, a very slight favorite at minus 125. St. Preux, a very slight dog at plus 105. St. Preux coming off a loss to Ben Rothwell, via split decision at heavyweight. Uh, and he's actually one and three in his last four. So certainly trying to find himself. Um, Alonzo Menafield, He's also coming off a loss, uh, but he was undefeated before that. He, he lost to Devin Clark, the unanimous decision. Who you got here? Uh, you know, we did talk about this one a couple weeks ago. It's worth noting because this fight got canceled due to COVID reasons. So I won't drudge into it too much here. But like I said a couple of weeks ago, Alonzo Menafield is a guy who lost his undefeated streak and lost his undefeated record to Devin Clark largely because he gassed himself out, largely because he thought he could finish the fight early. And it was kind of like one of those prospect losses. At the end of the day, I didn't feel like Alonzo Menafield was not better than Devin Clark. I still, to this day, think he's better than Devin Clark, which I think is why they turned around and gave him Ovint St. Preux, who's probably even a bigger name than, than Devin Clark. And if he learned from that fight that Devin Clark you know, had a good gas tank and you can't just gas yourselves out, he's going to fight a guy with a notoriously awful gas tank in Ovint St. Preux, a guy who you know, absolutely seemed to gas out against Ben Rothwell, who's like not, you know, doesn't have a great gas tank either. I mean, he gassed out against Volkan Ozdemir, who, who's not used to going into deep waters either. He's a, you know, a fast starter and, and a slow finisher. And even he had a slower finish than, than those guys. So I think that this is a good matchup for Menafield in a bunch of ways. It gets him back on track against a guy who he can work on what he had that big error on. And even if he makes some mistakes in the same way here, I think ultimately he winds up on top here. And I bet you he finishes. And I think, too, if you're looking at the odds and you're thinking about betting Alonzo Menafield, you might want to go in and check what Alonzo Menafield is by KO because Alonzo Menafield minus 125, already a great number, as I'll mention a little bit later on the show. There's a hint. Uh, but also on top of that, too, I, I think if you find the KO line, you're going to really like that. Well, I'll tell you what I really like. It's the next matchup. Tiago Moises, a minus-175 favorite, taking Jalen Turner, a plus-155 dog. Turner, 3-2 and two in the UFC, if you include his win on Contender Series. Don't want to include that. He's 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Tiago Moises coming off a heel-hook victory over Michael Johnson. We love to see that. Uh, but in the UFC as a whole... He is 2-2 two and two as well uh, with a win on Contender Series. So, actually, I didn't realize this. The intern bringing it up right now. They're both 3-2 and two in the UFC, including their win on Contender Series. Uh, but Moises, the m- minus-175 favorite, biggest win to date between the two of them over Michael Johnson. I'm going to assume you're taking Moises, but I am curious to hear what Jalen Turner's path to victory would be if there is one. So, so my problem with Jalen Turner in this, this instance and why I don't like him as an underdog here is because if you look at all of his victories, right, it's, he's got lots of KOs on his record, lots of TKOs on his record. 
if you go back and watch those, and I don't just mean the ones in the UFC, I mean the ones in the regional scene as well, a lot of those TKO wins are by taking people down and grounded pounding them. And he's fighting Tiago Moises, a guy who undoubtedly he has no interest in being on the ground against. If you're on the ground against Tiago Moises, it doesn't matter if you're on the bottom or on the top. Tiago Moises can sub you from wherever you are. I mean, like, go back and look at his run in RFA before it became LFA. The dude hit a helicopter armbar from guard, from butterfly guard. It's one of the sickest things you've ever seen. And then he follows that up by by heel hooking, you know, Michael Johnson all these years later. His sub game is complete as a lot of different guys in the UFC. He, he's one of the better sub guys you can find out there. And, and to be fighting a guy whose real path to victory is top game ground and pound. I mean, like you just have to imagine Jalen Turner needs to keep his arms out of you know, arm bars while he's ground and pounding. And, and I just don't like his, his chances of doing that. Uh, let's get to our underdog of the week. Or, or, or it's friend of the show, Cole Smith, plus 175, taking on Hunter Azur. Yeah, I like Cole Smith in this one, and not just because he's a friend of the show, but also because Cole Smith has fought a lot of short, stocky, powerful wrestlers. And if you look at how he's done against them, it's largely been very good. He he absolutely beat up Mitch Gagnon by, by stuffing takedowns and even hitting one of his own on Mitch Gagnon. He followed that up with a split decision loss to Miles John, which actually, if you go to MMADecisions.com, a lot of people had Cole Smith winning that split decision. He took down Miles John and stuffed a lot of Miles John's takedowns. So when you, you pair those kind of things together, I think Miles John's is eight times the wrestler as Hunter Azure. And Cole Smith has got a Thai boxing background. He actually lived in Thailand for a while, did Muay Thai tournaments out there. I think the fact that he has got such an advantage on the feet and can probably force it to stay there against Hunter Azure, plus 175 has got me licking my chops. Ooh, I like it. And our parlay to play, Partoj Spabinski, a minus 145 favorite. Pair him together with the aforementioned Alonzo Menafield minus 125, it actually gets you two to one odds at plus 205. Yeah, and I mentioned before why I like Alonzo Menafield, right? I like Alonzo Menafield because he's going to learn from that mistake against Devin Clark. Got lots of power in his hands. His gas tank will be better than OSP. We'll get to Fabinski now, though, because Fabinski, actually, his last fight was in technically in Cage Warriors, right? Because it was right when the coronavirus shutdown hit. He was already in England for that UFC London card. They shut down the UFC London card. Him and Darren Stewart hung on and fought in Cage Warriors. It's a UFC bout under the Cage Warriors cage. But, like, the interesting thing is Fabinski's a welterweight. Darren Stewart's a middleweight. They just both happen to be there and willing to fight at middleweight. And he dominated Darren Stewart at middleweight. Absolutely dominated Darren Stewart at middleweight with wrestling. And when you consider the fact that Darren Stewart didn't let somebody like Edmund Shabazian dominate him on wrestling, and that guy is a big 185-er, Bartosz Fabinski fighting down at 170 should absolutely manhandle Andre Muniz. So I think that this one is a slam dunk at negative 145. You could probably play this one straight up, but, I mean, pairing them together, like you said, two to one odds, you got to love it. I love it. I love that. I love it all. I love our show. I love our fans. And I love that the UFC has been going for months now uh, without skipping a beat. Uh, it's really been awesome entertainment as some of the rest of the world has shut down. So we, of course, appreciate Uncle Dana and the UFC for that. And we appreciate all the fans for listening. Gumby, why don't you wrap up the show? 
And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. Couldn't do what we do without you guys. We also couldn't do what we do without Flow Combat and our sponsors, Maroon Social, MyBookie, visit MyBookie.ag, and the Fight Forecaster app. Uh, you also should definitely check us out on Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. We got all cool things going on there. And we're now on Instagram as well, at Top Turtle MMA there. And if you really enjoyed the show, check us out next week. I'm Daniel Gumby-Vreeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we'll see you then.